I want to talk to you today, thank you, Raina, about identifying worship. Everybody say identifying Let's try that again, because all of you like uh, sounded like you was in the other room. Identifying worship, say it. In Matthew, the eighth chapter, in the first verse, Jesus was already working miracles, and his fame was abroad. People knew of this Jesus because of all of the miracles they had heard spoken of him. So in this particular passage, when he was come down from the mountain, the Bible says a great multitude followed him. I want to pause for a moment and tell you that there's a difference in hearing of him and knowing him. For many have heard of this Christ, but yet did not know him for themselves. They were following him because of what everybody else said he was, not for what they knew him to be for themselves. And in this group, the second verse, it says, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, I've talked about this before, but I want to take this in a complete different angle today. The leper worshipped him. I want to pause for a moment and tell you that a request for a miracle cannot be made until the prerequisite of worship be exercised. Many want the miracle, but few want to worship. This leper understood that worship was first. We don't sing by chance or just by talent. The praise team is not up here just simply to entertain you. Uh, not to, so it's not to just make you feel good emotionally, but there's more to it. It ushers us into a place of worship that takes us to new levels with Christ. And we have no reason to ask until we're first willing to invest in our worship. This leper realized that and recognized that he had nowhere else to go. If I'm going to find the answer, the only way I will find the answer is go to the place where Jesus is at. Worship. He worshipped him. Worship is identifying that there is only one that can give the miracle, and that is Jesus Christ. 
As I have said before, I say again, worship before you get your answer. Worship before you ask. Worship before the blessing. And worship before the victory. Noblemen, noblemen were gathered together in London waiting for the king of Great Britain. They all knew him personally, yet they all honored him as their king. When he entered, they stood solemnly to their feet. Take your seats, gentlemen, he said. I am not the Lord, you know. <laughs> Immediately, one of the noblemen, a Christian man, said, No, sir, if you were our Lord, we would not have stood to our feet. We would have fallen to our knees. Worship is not an applause. That's not worship. Worship are not just the accolades. It's not a standing ovation. Let me tell you what worship is, is when we learn to bow in the presence of God and realize that this is more than just a praise, but this is a worship that bows in the presence of our God. If he was your God, or if he was your Lord, you wouldn't just clap you would submit. Submit to what? The church? The pastor? The process? The institution? Submit to what? Submitting to God is much greater than submitting to anything else because everything else cannot save you but that one that is in our midst right now is the one that can save you. Worship identifies the immortal deity of God. Worship identifies not a king but the king of kings. Not a lord but lord of lords. Worshiping a God where all demons are under his control and all steps are ordered by his command. The oceans, the sea, the streams, and all the tributaries obey his voice. That is a God that I'm talking about that is here right now. This God put breath into the newborn baby. But he continues that breath so we can breathe oxygen into our bodies. Worship identifies all this in that he is God. Oh, I need you to understand that just because we are coming here together collectively and we lift our voices in concert and we sing our songs and we are emotionally moved, it is possible for us to come here and feel the emotion and miss the God. 
Oh, I want to challenge someone today and tell you that it doesn't matter how big your problem has been. It doesn't matter what you've gone through in your life. If you'll just pause for a moment and worship this God that I'm talking about. Not this church, not this pastor, not these people, not the system, not, oh, come on, somebody. But you'll worship this God that I'm talking about. Recognize, identify that it's all about him and that in my worship it will reveal him to us. Your worship does not identify God, then it's not true worship. It's just noise and rhetoric. Just because you run the aisles doesn't mean you have an encounter with God. Oh, I want to talk about some of this stuff. I have a problem, and I'm telling you, I'm gonna I'm gonna scratch some itches today. I have a problem with preachers that get up and say, if I had me four or five young people that run the aisles to show me you're worshiping God, I have a problem with that. Because when you get into the Spirit, you don't need people telling you how to worship God. It ought to come from your free spirit. It ought to come because you give it to Him on your own. If you don't do it that way, you haven't done it right in the first place. Worship has to come from the desire of your own heart. When you raise your hands, you raise them on your own. When you dance, you dance on your own. When you shout, you shout on your own. You're getting excited about God because that worship identifies God in our midst. Amen. I'm going to tell you what. When we worship God, we'll turn hell upside down and heaven right side up and God will come in a miraculous way and do a work unlike we have ever fathomed possible. That's why we talk about a scripture quite often of the words of Jesus in John 4.23 but the hour cometh and now is when the True worshipers. True worshipers. Not noisemakers. Not attention getters. Not people just wanting to make a noise and a sound because they want everybody to see what they're doing. No, he said, true worshipers shall worship the Father how? In spirit and in what? truth and then he says the father seeks such to worship him see because when you're in the spirit and while you're being revealed the truth it identifies that he is God oh I feel the Holy Ghost in the true worshipers know how to bow in his presence. I want to break the back of pride. I want to break every evil spirit that tries to walk in here and say, well, I, this is just a show. I'm going to tell you, if it's a show, I'm walking out with you because I have no interest at all in just coming to church and having church as usual. I have a desire and a need for this God to show up in a mighty way. And I know that the only way it will happen is, number one, I need to get a hold of the Spirit. And number two, I need to be revealed in the intellect the truth of God word then it shall change my life 
God has no end. He has no beginning. God is immutable. He never changes. He's self-sufficient. He has no needs. As it was preached on last Sunday morning, he's omnipotent. He has all power, and he is all power. Omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. He is all present. Omniscient. He is all-knowing and all-seeing. God is wise. He is full of perfect, perfect, unchanging wisdom. God is faithful. He is infinitely, unchangingly true. God is good. That's why David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. God is just. He is right and perfect and all times am I talking to anybody that knows this God I'm talking about that knows how to worship him in the understanding of who he is he's merciful he's compassionate and kind he is gracious he is infinitely inclined to spare the guilty aren't you thankful for that God is loving. He loves us. God is holy. He is perfect. God is glorious. He's beautiful and great at all times. And my worship identifies that God is more important than anything in my life. When I worship him, he reveals himself to me. When I worship him, then I can say that this God begins to reveal himself to me all right now some won't worship because of a life full of problems but if you do and you worship him in the midst of your problems he will show himself to you my worship identifies that God is more important than my condition that's why the leper worshipped him. Because that's the first thing he should do. Let's not worry about having leprosy. Let's worry about worshipping him. Let me just say why I worship. I'm like the leper. I worship because I have nowhere else to go. You haven't fixed me. You didn't have, give me the answer. I need more than you, and you need more than me. Yet we land on each other and think that the totality of who God is rests upon the words of people. When he said, no, people, fallible, make mistakes. God is perfect in all ways. And he's the one I'm here for so that I can so that I can interact and sit at the table and taste and see that the Lord is good. This is it talking to someone who has come here today in the midst of your storm trying to find answers 
to your future. Let's not worry about your future until you start worshiping. Let's get you in the spirit of worship. And if we can get you in the spirit of worship of this God, I promise you, you're going to get the answers that you're looking for. I want to say that there are 12 things I find in worship God cannot do. Number one, God cannot lie. Number two, God cannot change. Number three, God cannot break a promise. Number four, God's intent and power cannot be stopped. Number five, God's word cannot be broken. Number six, God's law cannot be annulled. Number seven, God cannot stand sin. Oh, we worshiped up until that point. I can shout as long as as they don't touch my sin. Oh, you got a Pentecostal preacher here. An apostolic man. That says, no, 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 no. If you worship God, it's going to touch you in places and convict you in your life in places that you're uncomfortable with. That's a good position to be in. Is when you feel God and God begins to nudge on you and, and prod you and say, it's time for you to change. God cannot stand sin, number seven. Isn't that interesting? Perfect number, seven. (laughs) Number eight, God cannot despise a broken and a contrite heart. Number nine, God cannot be pleased without faith. Number ten, God's church cannot be destroyed. Let me read that one again. Number ten, God's church cannot be destroyed. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Why? Because the church is built upon the foundation. Jesus Christ, the chief corner stone. Number 11, God cannot be worshipped too much for who and what he is. And number 12, God cannot stop loving you. You've not gone too far. You're not destined to hell. Uh, I'll, I wish you'd get what I'm saying today. Because some of you are here today thinking that you've, you've, you've done too many things and it's impossible for God to be able to forgive you. Do not put my God in that category. He's bigger. He's better. He's greater than any situation that you have ever put yourself in. And he, the Bible says, it will reach as far down into the gates of hell and all the way into the heavens to reach for you. Am I talking to anybody? Is there anybody here today that says, I need that kind of God in my life. I need that kind of deliverance in my life. Well, let me suggest to you that if you would worship this God and acknowledge who he is, it will identify, it will identify, this worship will identify what not only God is, but what God can do for you. I'm telling you, there's not a cancer he cannot heal. There's not a 
demented mind that he cannot turn back around. There's not any amount of drugs that you would be addicted to that he cannot deliver you from. There might be questions in your mind, but he is the answer. He is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's still the answer for the world today. This is what I'm talking about. This God is among us right now. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Uh, the leper identifies who Jesus is. And paraphrased, was simply saying, if I remain a leper, I will still worship you. But if thou will. What he's saying, he's qualifying by saying, you're the only one that can make me clean. He says, uh, you're still God whether I get my healing or not. You're still worthy of worship whether I get my answer or not. Well, I'm not going to walk out of here thinking, well, I need what I want when reality is... I should be praying about what is your desire and what is pleasing to you and what have you designed for me. He simply says, if I remain a leper, I will still worship you. But if thou will, you're the only one that can make me clean. The physicians couldn't do it. The witch doctor couldn't do it. The family couldn't do it. The disciples couldn't do it. The Pharisees couldn't do it. The Sadducees couldn't do it. Habakkuk, the third chapter in the 17th verse, unpacks this thought. He simply reads, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine, the labor of the olives shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet, 18th verse, 18th verse, yet, Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will joy in the God of my salvation. He said, I have lost just about everything, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. He simply removes all excuses. You worry about how you look. Listen to me, church. You worry about how you look when you should be worrying about who you are. Hell has no fury like a person that looks like a Christian, but their life was full of dead men's bones. The real question today is what would happen if we worshiped God in such a manner what this leper would do? What would happen if all of us simply says, I'm going to worship you.
but I know if thou will, you can make me clean. What would happen? I'll show you exactly what would happen in Matthew the 8th chapter and the 3rd verse. That leper, he said to Jesus and put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will. That's what Jesus said to the leper. I will. I will. Now, I don't know what you're looking for in this service, but I'm looking for Jesus to say to Rob Bibb, I will. When you don't know where to turn, you're looking for answers. You're looking for a God that steps into this house and says, I will, I will, I will, I will. You didn't come here just because someone invited you. No, this is God's perfect will. And he's waiting for you to worship him. And when you worship him, you can then ask him, if thou will, you can make me clean. If thou will, you can deliver me from drugs. If thou will, you can put my marriage back together. If thou will, come on somebody, you can heal my child. If thou will, Lord, you can take this depression out of me. If thou will, I'm just going to trust in you, God. Worship then becomes a question if that would heal me. If, if you can heal me, can't thou heal me? If you could do that. No pressure, Lord. I'm not a high fluting salesman. I'm not in here trying to get you to buy into my problem, Lord. I'm just saying, I'm going to worship you. But by the way, I've got some things going on in my life that need to be touched. Mm. Next verse. And Jesus said unto him, See, thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Simply saying to the man, you need to demonstrate what has happened to you in your actions. Show you're a believer. Don't tell everybody you're a believer. Show you're a believer by how you live your life. People who live by titles tell everyone what they are, but never demonstrate true godliness. We need to get past the telling and let's get into the living. Amen. I'm not far from being done. All of us have battle wounds and scars. The scar inside will always be present, but the wound should be healed. If you can win your battle, you'll never forget what happened, but you, once you win your battle, the wound may be healed, but the scar will always be present. You need to show the world that you're an overcomer. Quit complaining about life. Quit making excuses about life. He says, tell no man. Go your way. Be an example of what I've done to you. He says, you don't even have to say anything. Just show yourself. Show yourself. Show yourself. I preached on a subject several years ago. Talked about the wounds of the righteous. I will say to you that the wounds, wounds of the righteous are healed living testimonies. When you've been wounded, you've got a testimony. 
It's not words. It's what has been in your life, the wounds that you have carried. So don't tell people what you are or what. Don't tell people what you are. Show people what you are. Because if you have wounds of the unrighteous, listen to me very carefully, you don't know how to worship God and, and you've quit worshiping God. Now I'm talking to people that have been around this for a while, but, but if, you, if you have wounds of the unrighteous, you're affected by a disease that eventually will spew out poison on everybody else. Things are a product of thoughts, just as corn is a product of seed. Thoughts are seed. Defeat the success, defeat and success rather, come from within. We live in two kingdoms. One, we live in a spiritual kingdom, and two, we live in a physical kingdom. And the spiritual kingdom needs to subdue the physical kingdom. And the only way you can do that is when you have true identifying worship. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In conclusion today, let me just give a couple more points and then, then we're going to come to this altar. But David, David who was the king or he was going to be the king of Israel. Saul was still hanging on. and Saul hated David because David was anointed and Saul wasn't. It's a pretty sad day when people that should love you hate you because you're favored by God. But David flees from Saul into this hostile territory. David conducts these guerrilla-style raids because these three tribes were known for their surprise attacks and cruel treatment on innocent people. It says that David and his men went up and invaded the Geshurites and the Jezerites and the Amalekites for those nations were of the old inhabitants of the land as thou goest ashore even unto the land of Egypt. And then in 4, 1 Samuel 27, 10 it says, And Achish said, Whether have you made a road today? This is what he was asking David. Whether have you made a road today? And David said, the road I made today, David said, is against the south of Judah and against the south of Jeheramalites and against the south of the Canaanites. He's simply saying that there is a war going on. There is a war going on. Can I suggest to you there is a war going on in the heavenlies right now? Where have you made your road? David said the road I'm making today is to wage war against the heart of the enemy. I'm in this church service today to let the enemy know I'm waging war on you. I'm coming against you. And I shall defeat you. Because the cause, the cause is greater than the foe. Where have you made your road today? 
Where have you made your road today? Worship identifies God so that you will have the faith to destroy the enemy and the faith to build a road right into the heart of the enemy of your soul. Where have you made your road today? Identifying worship. This is a great time for you and I to deal with whatever we're fighting against as we stand. This is your day. The path, the road has to be traveled by you. You have to step out from where your situation is and walk that road and wage war of whatever devils and demons you are fighting. Bring your worship down. You're identifying worship so that you can have the faith to say, I know you can cleanse me of my leprosy so that Jesus can say, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. You, Lord, you are worthy.